This week on the Heartland Pod for November 15, 2021, I've got a chat with Jim Hogan, a lifelong educator and now three-time candidate for Missouri representative in the 126th District. Rachel Parker and Sean Diller are here for Talking Politics as usual with quick hits on the Rittenhouse trials. They join me to talk about that. Mike Flynn's one religion comment, the heavy use of Pete Buttigieg by the Biden administration, and a dive into the modern elitist GOP party and more, plus an opening statement on the realities of liberty. We've got a ton of show for you. So let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer and I am your host for the folks just joining us for the first time. Welcome to the Heartland Pod. We are glad you've joined us. Make sure to follow all of our socials, uh, Twitter at the Heartland Pod. Same thing on Facebook, heartlandpod.com. You can get our shows there. You can sign up for our Patreon there. Just look for the uh, the three green leaves and you'll know that you've uh, found the right place. On this week's pod, we are back to what we do best. We are lifting up the voice of a rural progressive candidate. This week it is Jim Hogan had a lot of fun last week with uh, C.W. Gardner, and uh, you know we will follow his exploits as he makes his way around this fine state uh, in Missouri here where I am at. Uh, but it's time to get back to folks like Jim. So uh, really enjoyed uh, my chat with Jim. And look, you know you got to check out his campaign website, jimhogan.info, because you got to check out this guy's mustache. Okay, I'm telling you, uh, it's part of his logo. It's it's absolutely part of his look. It is it is truly cultivated mustache look. It's awesome. I mean, even our old good pal George Horley would have to admit that even Jim, as a progressive, a Democratic candidate, and a teacher, which, as we know, in this day and age, right, a teacher, this is a particularly kind of leftist socialist evil that we're talking about here, okay? This man's mustache, it is... Whatever manly masculinity that, that Josh Hawley is talking about over there, it's Jim Hogan's mustache, okay? It's, it's awesome. Uh, very, very cool mustache. But that's, that's not really why I'm excited about the chat with Jim. I think you guys are going to enjoy it, and you'll see why, why I liked it so much. Uh, so the show, right? If you thought about sharing this show, if you have a friend you think that might like it, if you're somebody that just had the show given to you by a friend, this is why, okay? It's for folks like Jim Hogan. This is what we're here to do. This is this was kind of the whole goal, right, when this whole thing started was could we create a megaphone, right? Once we kind of got our legs under us and figured out what this was, right, and we sat back and said, what could we do with this? Can we create a megaphone for people like Jim Hogan who you probably don't know, you've probably never heard of Jim, let's be very honest, Right. But let's lift this man up. Let's lift up a dedicated public servant and educator. 40 years this man plus in education. Let's help him try to bring the Missouri GOP supermajority back down. Let's help Jim do that. Let's beat last week's show, okay? Last week's show is the highest rated show we've ever had in the last six months. It's the highest rated show we've had since we've started doing this. And in one week, right, it passed every show we've published ever in a week, okay? One week. We didn't go up by thousands and thousands of followers to do that, okay? We went up by a, uh, some followers on on Twitter, don't get me wrong, but not 
that much. Not enough to justify how well this show did. So let's do it again. Let's go back to back. Let's flood Jim with listeners. Let's introduce a ton of people to Jim Hogan. Let's give him views. Let's give him donations. Let's uh, imagine if our entire podcast community donated 25 bucks to Jim Hogan's campaign in a Missouri House race in a district that the Republicans don't think they're going to have to do any work in. Think about it. Think about it. If we started doing that in all of these races, if we made them work in all of these races, let's make the Missouri 126th District in rural Missouri not just a competitive race. Let's give Jim a chance to change the conversation down. All right, reminder before we get into the action, check out heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon button, join the Heartland Pod family. Five bucks a month gets you in as an official pod head. It comes with full access to the Heartland News, uh, full access to the last call, which we will have a last call this week for you. We had a Heartland News posting last week. Rachel did an awesome article about gerontocracy. We're going to talk about gerontocracy in the last call. You'll get a taste of it at the end of the show. Uh, but the whole thing, folks, the whole thing is members only, okay? So you can you can listen to the rest of it. You just got to join us over on Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you right in there. Get you all the, all the extra content, uh, you know, that we're doing here. So five bucks a month gets you in there and unlocks that content. Get signed up today. Look, you, you deserve it. And your support's going to go right to the show. It's going to allow us to produce more content at a higher level, or as we're trying to gear up for 2022, 2024, and beyond, right? We are here to change the conversation in Missouri, in Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Arkansas, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio. You get the idea. Help us deliver independent political media in the heartland. Okay, lots to do on this show. Enjoy the chat. Stick around for all the fun and talking politics. Check out the Last call preview at the end. Tell a friend about this show. Tell a friend about Jim Hogan. Leave a five-star review. Do all of those things. Because this podcast is growing like a weed, folks. And you're in. You're in now, right? It's still kind of like a cool underground thing. Help us make it more than that. But, but you can be a part of it now in a real formal way by signing up right now and helping us out. All right, let's go on to the opening statement. And then we'll get into the rest of the show. Irreverence is the champion of liberty. Mark Twain said that. It's a common sentiment to see from folks who regularly use the word liberty like the ultimate point of an argument. Liberty interpreted to mean complete, unfettered enjoyment of a person's ability to do as they please. Irreverence. It's an ideal. It flows well on the written page. It sounds good in the slogan, but in practice, irreverence, liberty without limits, because that's what it is. It's anarchy, a natural state of existence in which you must eat or be eaten. It is anathema to social society. Liberty must have restrictions for society to exist, for the law to function, for any system that allows participation for all to function, there must be inherent limits on liberty. Pure liberty would reject even the Ten Commandments, the laws provided from on high that Moses carried down on the tablets, the religion based on those Ten Commandments. Often paired with that same pure liberty ideal, true pure liberty would reject the Ten Commandments. 
the pairing of liberty and religious conscription aside, the reality is that the great American experiment, the union we continue to try and make more perfect, the great shining city on a hill that was built over that time, it was built on those limitations of liberty. That's how we got here. Liberty originally in this country was not provided to all. It was not guaranteed to all. It was not meant for all. When those high-minded words were penned in a dark room at a lap desk, it was limited from its first use. The sword with the blunted tip lodged into the shield on purpose. Those limitations, in some ways, are necessary. Now, a lot of the limitations originally had to do with control of a lot more than just the general growth of population. But a lot of those limitations are necessary. They are stewardship. They are conservation. If left without care, the wild growth of the earth will swallow itself over and over again. We utilize conservation to preserve nature in a usable form. The national parks, large public gardens, these are not wild in the pure sense. There is no unfettered liberty in those places. These are a careful balance of conservation with nature to allow the inhabitants to thrive, to live the best existence they can have. That's the role of the government in the system that has been created. It's not socialism, certainly not by the textbook definition, not by a long shot, and not even related to communism. And anybody who says so is wrong, and you should tell them they're wrong. It's the light but necessary touch of regulation that allows commerce to flow, business to thrive, food to be inspected, medicine to be tested before use, products to be made safer or be subject to lawsuits for damages. These rules stand at the edges of society like the park ranger watching the horizon for smoke. But that doesn't make a very good meme for Facebook. So instead, liberty is pitted against socialism. The visceral reaction is created, and an ideology that requires conformity of belief adopts the guise of freedom as its sigil. The animals in the park believe that they are completely without rule, completely without need for the conservation that keeps their habitat functioning day in and day out, completely without need of assistance from a larger collective effort. The forest animals roam with a feeling of pure freedom and tell one another this is the truth. They see the rangers' conservation efforts as a hindrance on that freedom, seemingly unaware of the balance required. They see any attempts as the building of a cage, the boxing in of their liberty, only to lose sight that their freedom is the very product of the regulation limiting human foot traffic, outlawing hunting on certain grounds, forcing a version of nature to thrive that otherwise would not exist if left alone. We are not animals in a cage in America. We are not waiting for our handler to feed us our supper. We are the animals in the nature preserve. Our freedom is limited by the things that allow us to balance that freedom with the continued protections that the preserve provides. Those who want to destroy those protections are eager to destroy that balance so sure of their own ability to survive without it? Or do they just not realize that the hunting is a little too easy? Let's have a chat. 
All right, welcome back for Let's Have a Chat. We are here for our chat today with Jim Hogan. Jim is a a two-time previous candidate, his third time running in the 126th District in Missouri for state rep. And if you're not sure where the 126th District is, that's okay. It's all the way out west. Uh, It's Bates and Vernon County. It's a very rural area right on that Kansas border. So, Jim, welcome to the Heartland Pod. And how are you, man? I am well. Uh, Everything has been hectic, but moving great. And I am so glad to be here tonight. Well, I'm glad we could hook this up. And I I understand what you're saying on hectic. It's that that time of year. Things are speeding up a little bit toward the holidays. So let's uh, let's have a good chat, man. So here's my first question. Uh, now, Now, a lot of times I ask new folks who are running for the first time or maybe folks who are running for a new level of office if there's just nobody around them that you know loves them and cares for them enough to keep them from doing this but you've done this twice this is your third time going through it same seat same place so what keeps you going forward why do you keep getting back up we need to see change in Missouri the first two times the person i was running against was incumbent uh, she is now termed out. Mm-hmm. So that brought me back for the third time. I still though see that we need to make changes that I am scared are not happening in our yeah. state. Yeah. And so I'm going to continue to push uh, to see some differences uh, in the state of Missouri. Sure. So your background, what what brings you to running for public office? Where are you coming from life-wise with, with experience here? I'm a teacher. Okay. I, I have been an educator for over 40 years. Uh, I spent two years, I retired once, spent two years at the Missouri Department of Education in Jefferson City and came back to education again. So my top priority is the fallacy of everything being all right in education in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We have to make big changes in the way teachers are paid, um, in in the way monies get to the schools, Mm -hmm. or don't in many cases. And the fact that our public schools are good learning institutions, uh, not to be done in by other types of schools. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about education because I know I could see that on your platform as an important thing. Um, One question I had at this point is, so on your website, on the front page, it says that you are running to make Missouri a place for everyone. So what does that mean to you, to Jim Hogan? I consider myself a, a moderate Democrat. So I look at things from both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think equality is key in Missouri, and we don't have it for all. Uh, we need to look at equal rights for everyone. You still see, I'm using an example of, of women being paid less than men in certain occupations, mm-hmm. and that, that should not stand. Um, I see equality for I'm going to say those less fortunate than than us that have a a good job, Mm -hmm. uh, giving them equal opportunity for good jobs. Mm -hmm. And so and I use that word equality, meaning I'm willing to work for everyone. Yeah. Not just a not just a splinter group or or a certain group. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the groups that you highlight on your uh, website is farmers, uh, and you specifically do call out CAFOs. Um, you know, you've got education, anti-corruption, economic opportunity. You've mentioned all those basically already. So you call yourself a moderate Democrat. Now, I've I've been, you know, according to what you can find on the internet right now, all Democrats are socialists. So I don't see any socialism <laughs> on your website. You don't sound like a socialist. What do you mean you're a moderate Democrat? Okay. I've been a Democrat my entire life, but fiscally, I am probably more conservative than most. I think our money in Missouri must be well spent Mm -hmm. instead of being spent for pork barrel projects. And it happens in Missouri as much as it happens nationally. Mm -hmm. Our money's to go to the places it, it needs to go. Uh, that's one area. Um, we can get into things like gun control if we want to go there. Well, um, let, let, let's do that because that is an interesting topic. I mean, where you're where you're at, the rural area that you're in, um, that's got to be a topic that comes up when you're talking to folks. You say Democrat, and they go no, thank you. I'd like to keep my guns. And you go, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Is that about right? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, I'm a gun owner. I'm a hunter. Um, I have always thought that the second amendment was very important to us. I do think in many cases, however, that the whole gun control thing has been blown out of proportion. And I'm going to use an organization by the NRA uh, just to get membership. Right. Uh, But we have a right to keep and bear arms. And I will support that right. Do I think anyone needs a fully automatic weapon? No, none but the military and the police. Uh, we as private citizens have no use for them. You can't go deer hunting with one. Mm-hmm. So why do you need one? Now, that that's a point that I make. Um, but as far as our guns to hunt and enjoy life, no one should have the right to take those away from us. And they don't. That's why I'm a proponent of the Second Amendment. So you're suggesting that a, a private organization who's funding is almost exclusively from its members would blow things out of proportion in a way to make sure that they could up their membership and up their dollars to up their funding to continue to get more money out of people? I certainly do. I mean, that's that's awful nefarious of you, Jim, to suggest that the NRA would do such a thing. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but look at their advertisements. Yeah, yeah. It's there. Uh, you know, um, I, no, I, I, I think I you're 100 right. I, <laughs> I think it, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're, you know, there's those those other gun groups that have popped up that actually call the NRA a gun control group because they work with uh, sometimes with gun gun control legislation to uh, you know, almost give them something to argue about, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's you know that that tells you that's a lot exactly of what you right. know. So, CAFOs, yeah. let, let's completely shift gears here to farming. Um, CAFOs, I imagine, is something that locally for you uh, is an issue. 
And, and is. why is that an important issue to you? Well, there are some in our in this district in the 126th district. And I always feel the need and, when we get into this to to say control animal feeding operations for anybody who's not doesn't speak the CAFO language. Sorry about that. Go ahead. There we go. There we go. Uh, and there are several things that that I am having problems with because of the CAFOs. Uh, I I think large corporations particularly that own them mm -hmm. uh, do not care uh, one about the carbon emissions that those CAFOs are letting off two I don't think they care enough about the water supplies in the rivers and streams around them uh, where they have to eliminate their problem sure and I also believe that eventually, if we're not very careful, they are going to be another thorn in the side of small farming operations. Yeah, it's yeah. already started. Yeah. And uh, it happened to turkeys 30 years ago. It happened to chickens 25 years ago. It's happened to hogs now. Look out, cattle farmers. It'll happen to you soon. That's my worry. Yeah, we had that up up in my neck of the woods. Uh, they, they were trying to put in a pretty sizable cattle uh, operation up here, the Valley Oaks uh, farm that may have made your your radar. We're not that far away from each other, so uh, that no, that you're right. I heard about it. Yeah, it was, it was a big deal, and uh, it did you know it did get shut down, and uh, people did a lot of hard work on that, and uh, for good reason. For good reason. I always wonder why you know the answer that you gave is very thoughtful and detailed, and and explains the policy well, but I've always wondered why Democrats haven't taken the CAFO issue and turned it on its head the same way. I mean, critical race theory, we'll get to that in a second, but the way that Republicans have weaponized critical race theory and turned it into, uh, you know, uh, what they've turned it into is Democrats don't want you to be involved in your child's education, um, which it, it, none of that is true. None of it is in any way true. But they've used it and no. they've used it effectively. And why Democrats won't do that with CAFOs and just say Republicans don't want you to know what's in the water that you're drinking, and they don't know they don't want you to know what's in the food that you're eating. And, you know, and I, I'm exactly. I'm pro pro control of food and water, and Republicans are anti control of food and water. Right, right. Uh, the other the other segment of that is, and this is the one I started with on that whole thing, is that when Smithfield Foods sold out. Yeah, the company they sold through to was a China a Chinese organization, Chinese right. company. Right. And in 1895, Missouri enacted a law saying no Missouri land to outside cor corporations or countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, they re they they allowed that to become one percent of Missouri land. Right. We ought to go back to zero. Yeah. Missouri land for Missouri farmers. That is my belief. Let our farmers grow our crops and our livestock. <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. So that's my belief. Uh, but large corporations do not care about what they put into our ecosystem. Uh, they just don't. Theirs is a bottom line. Yeah. And bottom line means more to them than what we are left with at the end of their period. Yeah. So – Let's jump over to education. Um, I know, obviously, you know, you mentioned you're not just a teacher. You're a retired teacher who worked for the state, came back to teaching. Uh, it's obviously exceptionally important to you. Uh, 
Um, what do you see right now in Missouri as the issues that are facing us in education that you think you can actually deal with? At the state level, there are two or three that have to be dealt with. Uh, one is fully funding our educational system. Yeah. Um, when you say fully they, funding, are you talking about what's currently happening where the goalpost moves and then they say it's fully funded? No, 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 no. Uh, That's a neat little trick. Years ago, years ago, Governor Holden put together a committee uh, to come up with a what do we need per student per year price. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, $1,211 is what the committee came back with. Well, but as it fluctuates, as we've seen from year to year, mm-hmm. We have not even gotten near that. We're sitting at about six forty per right. child instead of the twelve eleven. We need to set a price that is at least going to cover the cost of the school for the year. Which brings me to number two: we are the have the lowest paid starting teachers in the nation. Uh, we're still at. 22,500 is Missouri's state-based pay for teachers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, thank the Lord, most others, most schools are well above that. And I think we people are, don't realize that that's how low it is. My wife is, a, is an educator as well, and I remember when she was looking for, uh, after I got out of law school and we were moving over here uh, out west, she was looking for just anything, right, just employment, and sure. was, was trying to find something, and she found a rural school, that she had a, an in with, and, and it was looking like that may be the only opportunity. And mm-hmm. it was nothing. I mean, it was it was unbelievable how little money we were getting ready to to accept as reality. Um, she, now, luckily, she found a bigger district. She was able to get that job, a, a bigger district job. But still, that other job was there, right? Somebody had to take that job. Somebody had to teach those kids. Um, yes. And it was you know, when I say less money, I don't mean it was like a couple thousand. I'm talking about twelve thousand dollars <laughs> a year difference. Exactly. Job exactly. Difference. Yes. And we have so many of those small schools in the state of Missouri that mm-hmm. are crushed financially to try to get their teachers an adequate wage to even draw them in to teach there. Mm-hmm. I grew up in one of those. Uh, And it's tough for those little schools to find teachers, but they still have a great place in the state as a school. They don't have to be schools. Kids get a great education in a small school. We just have to be able to get the teachers there. Right, right, right. That's exactly right. And then we're and then we're still 48th in the nation in median teacher pay. So it doesn't get a heck of a lot better. No. Even after you've been in for a few years. So, other than other than the funding and the pay issues, what else? What else are we facing right now that you think is is paramount? Um, one other, the other. Well, okay, not just the funding, but the fact that over the last two years, the governor has withheld transportation funding at the rate of fifty percent mm-hmm. from our schools, and finally decided to give it back when he felt good about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, But that's another thing that comes into play. Um, I am glad to see the the federal funding coming in to update schools 
um, most of it COVID related, but mm-hmm. it's giving them a chance to do some updates on critical equipment, furnaces, air conditioners, uh, things like that, that may have been sitting in there for 30 years. Right, right, right. So that's that's a big part of it. I, I worry also that something similar to uh, House Bill 1413 may come up again at some point. Well, what is that for folks who don't follow it close enough to know the numbers? House Bill 1413 was proposed about four years ago, I believe now, uh, and it was the collective bargaining bill uh, to prohibit collective bargaining by any organizations. It was Mm -hmm. aimed at the unions uh, to keep them from being able to collectively bargain. And as it came down and I saw it coming down, um, it was going to affect our teachers organizations as well. Right. Uh, we were so, oh, you know, you're not unions, you're not unions, but we collectively bargain just like the unions do for a pay raise. Mm-hmm. And I, I just worry myself that one of these days that will get put through and we will be left at teachers at the discretion of the administration. Well, we're going to give you a hundred dollar raise. Right instead of being able to bargain with them as we can now to try to get a viable raise for the people in our district, for the teachers of our district. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about uh, some of the more national issues? Um, I know critical race theory is something that has come up uh, quite a bit. Uh, we talked, we touched yeah. on it for a second there. Um, so how, how many days of the year do you teach critical race theory, Jim? Critical race theory is not taught in any school that I know of in the state of Missouri. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's not taught. It's it's a theory. Right. Um, and, and maybe, maybe college students get into it at Mizzou as a theory in uh, poli-sci class or in sociology class. But again, it is, I know there is a fervor over it. Oh, it's going to look just destroy everything but it's a theory only no one is teaching it it's not even been brought up in our state Mm -hmm. Uh, and i would also pretty well assume that 98 percent of the superintendents in our state would go no we're not teaching that right it's not part of our history curriculum nor should it be so, so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's just uh, even though, <laughs> excuse me, even though it's been taken to a hyper level and everybody is saying, oh, look out, it's coming. I, I think it's going to stay a theory only. I just don't see it coming about, particularly in the Midwest, in Missouri. I don't see it happening, period. So it isn't part of the problem that – so that answer, it's right, okay? And again, back to the CAFO thing. Sure. You're, you're correct, right? Everything you just said is correct. But that is a very long answer to a very simple issue. And isn't that something where because they can just say, we believe that parents should have control of their child's education and we stand against critical race theory. That's all they have to say, right? Sure. 
And now you and I are having this conversation about critical race theory, and you're giving this answer about critical race theory. And we could probably talk about this issue for another 10, 15 minutes ad nauseum, right? Right. right. Sure. And yet that's not going to do anything because it, it gets turned off after the emotional response is taken to it. And haven't we really taken the bait by even having this conversation instead right. of just saying no and moving on? Yes. As far as I'm concerned, in an answer to people out there, it is not happening. Done. It's not happening. Yeah. But, you know, you're right. The emotional response, boom, they kick in. It happens to people. And it's tough to combat that. Yeah. Again, no, absolutely not. That's it. End of conversation. So let's uh, really quick pivot to the the end corruption in Jefferson City. You've got that on your uh, list of items, your platform. Sure. What do you mean by that? And, you know, when you say corruption in Jefferson City, I mean, what, what do you see that's happening? What do you think needs to be done? You know, what does that mean to you? Well, there, of course, the most obvious – is our governor before our current governor, mm-hmm. our short term. Yeah. Uh, that should be, those things should have been checked out before he got there. Sure. They should have known. However, I talked about the pork barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is spending happening even in Jefferson City. You know, we hear about it at the national level, mm-hmm. but even in Jefferson City, my pet projects, my little things, the things I want for my district, that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna pull the money. That's where right. we're gonna pull the money. Right. And it needs to be statewide. Sure. I'd like to have all of it coming to the 126, but the other districts of of Missouri need to have as much access to that money, share the wealth instead of hoarding the wealth. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's one of the biggest ones is everyone gets a piece of it because then you know what everyone's going to get. You can divide it equally um, instead of just putting in your own little pocket. So, you know, other than the criminality of some things that's actually going on there, it's, it's goes back to funding and getting it to the right people where it's needed. So outside of the big obvious issues, what are other ways that you think, the, those issues can be can be dealt with the corruption issues. I, th- I think our our state legislature and the committees involved with that need to be more involved and more update, and not how can I say this gently, not pat someone on the back and say don't worry about it. Yeah, and I don't care whether they're from your your party or the other party. If they make a mistake, hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. So many of them are getting off with a slap on the back and that's it. Uh, let's hold our legislative people, our legislators accountable for their actions, whether it's, it's, whether it's criminally, whether it's uh, finding little perks for your friends or m- monetary donations, find and deal with that. I don't have anybody I'm not in anybody's hip pocket, and I don't intend to be. 
So I think it should be fair for all. Well, how do we do that when we've got folks who are drawing lines based on, uh, you know, we we had clean Missouri. They got rid of clean Missouri um, with a very tricky play. So how do we mm-hmm. how do we take care of that when they're going to come in? You know, I mean, if you get a decent foothold, right? This cycle, let's say you win this cycle, don't mm-hmm. we expect them to go? Well, we better put that one on the list for next time. We better draw oh, that I'm, one different. Well, yeah, sure. The look at my district. Go to pop the next time they redistrict the state. The time they the next time we get redistricted, uh, and it, I'm not sure it's going to come out good this time even yet. Right. Right. But the next time they could cut Bates and Vernon counties in half and say, this is your area. Good luck getting elected. Right. Uh, It certainly could. We need a nonpartisan committee in our redistricting process, which is kind of what Clean Missouri was going to do for us, and get rid of the gerrymandering that's going on in making sure that a party can get elected, stay elected, because if it looks like he's going to, he or she is going to have competition from somewhere, oh, we just redraw the boundaries, mm-hmm. not based on the population, but maybe on how many can vote. Let's mm-hmm. think about, you know, and that's what they do. Uh, it needs to be a nonpartisan committee redistricting the state to stop that. And give everybody an equal shot. I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. It doesn't matter. Give everyone an equal shot for his or her party to be represented. Pretty radical notion that everybody should have a shot at being part of the government. I don't know. I mean, that's that seems to run totally anathema to what's going on right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and now we only have one that's kind of in charge of the whole business, and yeah, yeah. they want to keep it that way. Uh, but it needs to go back to yeah. uh, our government. When it's balanced, it works better. You have give and take. They have to work across the aisle with each other to get a, a bill or an amendment passed. They can't just say, oh, here are my guys. We're going to vote for this. Uh, you don't have as many. It's going to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, except for uh, FDR, and he got in <laughs> trouble on a few of his, too. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. Well, let, let's, let's wrap it up with some favorite things. My first one on the list is your favorite famous Missourian. Oh, well, okay. I just mentioned him. How's that? Or I almost did. Uh, Harry Trenum. Okay. Why is that? that? Well, in so many ways. Okay. Get rid of the Pendergast machine. We'll go from there. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But I'm I'm a, for anyone that wants to know, I'm a master mason, a member of the Masonic Lodge. And Harry Truman was our grandmaster one year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not just his political. uh, It's how he looked at life. And for him, most of the time, major decisions were not his alone. Mm -hmm. They were his and Bess's. He went to the boss uh, (laughs) to help him. So he got another look, you know, from from the female side as well as his. And he was truthful about that. 
I grew, he grew up in an area the way I did. And to me, uh, he's my Missourian right yeah. there. Well, that's a very, very genuine look at Harry Truman. I get that answer often. And it's interesting to hear what people's reasoning is behind it. That's a very unique take on it. Uh, all right. Number two. Your favorite thing about campaigning? This is your third go around. You must like something about what you're doing out there. So, what's your favorite thing about being uh, on the campaign trail? Meeting people. Yeah. Whether they agree with me or don't, it's the fact that we get to meet. Maybe we can talk, uh, converse about issues. Um, tr- I try very hard to see things from the other side if I can, sure. the other point of view. And uh, give me a valid point of view, and I can listen to you. Uh, You know, don't give me pie in the sky or something like that, but give me a valid point of view. I'm going to give you a second point, too, and that's my campaign manager this time. Uh, He's new to me this year, and he's a ball of fire, and he's got me excited again. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to keep me working and running and running hard. So. I'm excited again to be out there uh, trying to at least pe- tell people how I feel for our state. Well, we can shout Lucas out. Lucas, uh, good job for keeping Jim going. Um, all right, third question. Uh, anybody who takes the time to go and check out your website uh, or basically any picture of you on Facebook or anywhere that they can find you is immediately going to notice the trademark, the mustache. There it is. It's part of the logo. So... Favorite all-time mustache that isn't yours? Because yours is particularly good. So, all-timer. Um, Doc Holiday Tombstone. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. And I like that that was the hardest answer for you, by the way. Of all the questions I've asked, that, that one took the most effort to get to. I had to um, think that one through. But yeah, but I, I assume the man with that kind of mustache has opinions about mustaches. I mean, that just yes, seems we do. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> all right, Jim, how can folks find you if they want to help? Uh, Lucas, you want to help with that? Would you let him in there? Please? Sure. Lu- Lucas is on with us. Lucas, how can they find Jim? How can they get a hold of your guys' uh, campaign? So uh, folks can find our website at jimhogan.info. Um, and then they can find us on all social media platforms um, at Jim Hogan for Mo. So uh, the number four and then M-O. All right, Jim Hogan, Democrat running for the Missouri House in the 126. Thank you very much for your time, man. Good to meet you. Thank you. Glad to meet you, too. Have a good week. Thanks a bunch to Jim Hogan for sharing his time. Uh, you know, that's this is a guy who is he's not just running for office, right? He's in his classroom, he's doing his thing. This man is an active educator and running for office. So really appreciate the time that he had for us. Reminder, check us out uh, at the Heartland Pod on Twitter, heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon button. And please subscribe. Uh, Every little bit is going to help. We're going to uh, upgrade what we have technology-wise. We're going to uh, expand what we have content-wise. And we'd love to be able to, uh, you know, maybe even have, you know, maybe we can hire a couple of kids to do some research and and help us make these shows even better, more robust. Uh, You know, the bottom line is we want to make this uh, a, a megaphone. 
a megaphone for people like Jim Hogan. That's the point. The point, this is not us, look, from a money standpoint, right? We all have jobs. We all have professions. This ain't it. This is a thing that we are doing for people like Jim. So help us do that for people like Jim. Go to uh, harlempod.com and click the Patreon button and get signed up. All right, we're going to jump into talking politics. At the end is a preview of The Last Call. And if you want to hear the rest of it, go to Patreon and subscribe. Even the lowest tier will get you there. Talking politics. All right, we're here for talking politics. And as usual, I have got Rachel Parker and I have got Sean Diller with me, Adam Summer, to have our talking politics session. Uh, had a busy but good week. Lots of good weekend stuff happening on this end. And uh, having a space camper tonight, little uh, Boulevard Space Camper Cosmic IPA, just a just a delicious beer. Uh, lots of good beers out there, but this one just it's very consistent. So going with that tonight, Rachel Parker, how you doing? What you sipping on? I'm doing okay. Uh, I still I still wish people would get vaccinated. I still can't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm starting to go a little potty. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind telling you guys that. And oh, I must tell you, this is pretty funny. So. My local liquor store is a Randall's uh, that just opened on the hill. And uh, it's, it's if you know Randall's Liquor, if you're familiar with Randall's here in the South City. And um, they, I was there a couple weeks ago, and I heard a gentleman talking to the work there about, like, local uh, whiskeys. And I went and grabbed a bottle of Rieger's off the shelf. And I hey. said, this is my favorite sipping whiskey. I was like, and I described it. I said, I don't, he was, he was a Scotch man, and he was trying to get away from Scotch. I was like, listen. If you like scotch, this is this one's really it's like it's kind of buttery. It's got a great nose. It's real caramely, and I could tell that the guy who worked there was really annoyed with me because I was stealing his thunder. Uh, but then I went back uh, yesterday because maybe I needed some more, <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the shelf, and now it has staff's pick under it. Hey, so oh, snap. that's that's what I like. That's that's how sad my life is. Is that's that felt like shine to me. That's that that's shine. where we are. Yeah. That's where we are right now. Uh so I'm doing good and I'm sipping on a, a decaf uh chai, which I made into a, a chai latte myself. Oh, I thought you were gonna be sipping on some Rieger. That was okay. No, I, I wish well, I could. I, I have to I have to uh I have to do stuff in the morning so I can't yeah, yeah. uh but other uh, and I you know I've tried that here before, and that didn't end well. So <laughs> it we'll is just leave it at that. Delicious bourbon, uh, Sean. How you doing, man? What you sipping on? Doing really well, thanks so much. And I had to break the cycle of always sipping on something that was just appallingly bad, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> always Costco coffee or something worse. And so a friend came through town several weeks ago from Portland and brought this super portlandy nice coffee and it's barista barista roasters the blend is familia cifuentes it's from mexico with notes of melon pecan and tamarind and i made it like right before we started so oh, that it wow. was i yeah. have to say there's only wow. two things about millennials that i don't understand one of them is your obsession with ipas i don't get it i don't get it well, we can talk about it later. I don't talk about it right now. We have to get into this here. The other one is your coffees. I don't understand yeah. your coffees. I think coffee should taste like something that's punishing you. I think it should need a ton of milk in it. I don't understand this whole like, it's so smooth. It doesn't need half and half. I'm like, coffee is a warm caffeine and half and half delivery system. I don't. So we'll no, talk I mean, about this later. I'm not a snob. Yeah. I mean, I'll enjoy under the right circumstances, like a freezing cold, burned out, 
camper trailer in the middle of the woods in January, like that's the time for off-brand instant. Sure. Strong as yeah. hell. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and it's awful, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. No, I, I enjoy, I appreciate a good cup of, of burned bottom Denny's, you know, truck stop style coffee. I'm here for that. I'm also yeah. here for yeah, the, I think, you know, vanilla notes of caramel I, and wine. I think that coffee should be applied with a knife. Like I think it should be just this thick, <laughs> syrupy, goopy stuff that is comes out of the depths of hell of an espresso pot. And you have to just thin it out with like a sugar. Like that's how it should be. Well, this is that's a what it is for uh, the last call. That's going to be, you know, a little preview on the end of the show. Yes. We're going to talk about the age generational gap. differences. That's and right. So, we are yeah, going to talk about that. Nice little thing. So uh, well, let's jump into the, the rest of the, the, the regular part of the show. Uh, and we'll start it off here with um, a little true false. True or false. All right. True or false. Steve Bannon will. See the inside of a federal prison cell. Sean? I think that's true. I think he's a criminal. He's been convicted before. Or did he plead guilty? Like a well, he was no, he, was he was pardoned. So. He was he was convicted well, though. That. He was yeah. con he was convicted. Yeah. 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 And because he was pardoned, yeah, I think the people who can throw people in federal prison cells are gonna want to do that so badly that hopefully they make it happen. I'm gonna say true. Rachel? I mean, I, I'm going to wish it into existence. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say true. Uh, and I, I would like to say, like, if you, if, if, if you could do me a favor, listeners out there, and when you refer to Steve Bannon, if you could please to refer to him as failed filmmaker Steve Bannon, that would make me very happy. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, Thank or you. failed fraudster from when he fleeced all the Trump yeah. fans with right. the wall, convicted, the wall thing. convicted yeah. fraudster. Failed filmmaker. Let's go with that. Convicted froster and failed filmmaker and surprisingly high voice man, Steve Bannon, convicted today. That's how the news should start when that happens. Yeah. Uh, man who's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. Yeah. Steve Bannon. Yeah. I um, had no idea what he sounded like. And then there's all these clips going around now where he's like, it's just like January 4th. And he's like, 48 hours from now, we there is a great plan in place. And we're going to execute our plan in 48 hours at the Capitol. Oh, Everybody, wow. All the true patriots need to be there. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's hilarious. Said, said the man who lives, said the man who lives in Laguna Beach. Right. <laughs> right. And didn't Such leave. Dick. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah. 48 hours from now. And then like January 5th, January, like he's just like all of the days, he's just like talking about the fact that they have this plan that they're going to execute and all this stuff. So I think it's true. I, I, I found, was trying to think of a way to say false just to, you know, it's good to be contrarian, but look, that's, I think it's true. That's just my actual opinion on it that I think he's going to go to jail. And uh, I think he needs to go to jail. I think there's a lot of people that need to go to jail. And, and this is not like a, it's not even a politics thing. I don't even I don't see Steve Bannon as a political enemy. I see Steve Bannon as a traitor to the country at this point. Like I think And also a, he's right. he's doing something that is just objectively jailable. Like that's right. the thing. It's not right. he's just right. doing right. something right. where again, we talked about this before. Like if I did it and I called my right. lawyer if Adam Summer were, and yeah, I was like, dude, I don't want to go speak in front of Congress, and you'd be like, then you're going yeah. to go to jail. I'm not I've, saying you're gonna go for a long time. Yeah, but you're going to have to go to jail. You're going to pay serious fines. You're going to pay fines every day that you don't speak in front of. Like they're going to find the shit out of you unless you go. Just go. Yeah, I'll tell you what to say. I'm your lawyer. You can plead the fifth. You can do all kinds of things once you're up there. 
but you may not not appear in front of Congress, Rachel Parker. So right. he's yeah, got to, you know, exactly. he's going to. So let's, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I still say the, say the same thing that he doesn't have any friends left. He's not the kind of person that like has the deep pocket of friendships in DC. Right. Nobody in DC likes that guy. I mean, right. like he doesn't have any he's, friends. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, let's move on to the next one here. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right. The yeah, no segment here. Kyle Rittenhouse trial um, and the media narrative around. It's not even so much the breakdown itself. I mean, we'll talk about that as part of this. But the media narrative around his obviously forced, very fake breakdown on the stand where all of the reports coming out of it were Kyle Rittenhouse breaks down in tears. Rittenhouse testifies tears in front of jury. Rittenhouse cries in court. Like that was what was coming out. Not Kyle Rittenhouse obviously faking crying in court, which is what every headline should have been by the way, because it was obvious that he was faking uh let's reverse sean started the last one rachel way in here i mean i'll say like until you made me look at this i was going to pretend like this was a trial i didn't have to pay attention to not because i don't think it's important but because like uh it's a hard time the bandwidth with that yeah sort of yeah uh yeah um i do write for a living you have to kind of sometimes shut the shut the noise out to sort of get stuff done so i wasn't i mean i was i was i was sort of like scrolling through headlines talking about my husband maybe seeing something here or there so i missed his performative crocodile tears uh you know maybe he really is afraid i don't know maybe he really is like maybe really he's not i'm sure he's he's afraid of going yeah i'm sure he's i'm sure he's like it's occurred to him that like jail sucks and he doesn't want to spend a lot of time there sure um that would be a really good reason to never ever bring an assault rifle to a protest by the way anybody or don't go Um, to it at all if you don't have to because you know he didn't have to no he drove his mama drove him his mama dropped him off like that's the thing that kills me is that I would just say if I were somebody who anyone really paid attention, like I know people listen to us, but like, like, you know, somebody that had like some actual stature in the national media, my first thing would always be like, when his mother dropped him off at the state lines, like I would That's never right. fail to point out That's right. that his mama was like, have fun at the protest with your gun, sweetheart. Like when his, when his mother dropped off her minor child at a protest with a gun to go and quote unquote, protect something on whatever, yeah, like, sure. Let's start right there. Like she, yeah. she's been on Fox News like crazy, which I, I, I tweeted this out from the main account. It tells you everything you need to know about what Fox News is doing right now that they're putting this woman on television. She has no business being on television at all. And it's not it's not like only certain people should be. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this woman should not be on the television. She has no reason to be there. And she said today, she said on Fox News, if he didn't have his gun, he would have died. He didn't have to be there in the, these were not intruders that came to his house in the middle of the night while he was asleep and he whipped the gun out from under his pillow and he took out the intruders, you know, the bad guys coming to get him. He went looking for a fight. He found a fight and then he shot several people and killed multiple people. That's not the same thing. He thought he was a tough guy. He showed up with a gun and got scared and people ended up dead. And everything that I learned growing up about, what jail is for and how to make responsible choices. 
He should be in jail. That's right. Whether he was afraid for his life or not. Right. It, there was just a string of awful choices, definitely including robbing other people of of their lives. Yeah. You know, and just he should rot for a long time and, you know, think about this, maybe have a few more cries about it, you know, and Jesus. It yeah. really I, like the, the responsible gun owners of America need to stand up and say that because that's it's it is a bad look for gun ownership. If the reason you have a gun is to go looking for a fight, that's not self-defense. That's not the that's not what they argued about when they talk about why the Second Amendment has to be, you know, this this personal right. They always talk about self-defense. Well, they're talking about overthrowing the government a lot more, but it was always based on self-defense. This ain't self-defense. And as somebody who coaches and teaches fake trials and teaches people how to be witnesses in fake trials, I've seen a lot of people try to cry while they're pretending to testify about something. Kyle Rittenhouse sucks at pretending to cry. He sucks at <laughs> pretending to cry. Well, he's Somebody's got to say it. He's probably, you know, at least partly sociopath. I mean, the, that boy's not right in the head, as some of my relatives he's, have said he's, one time. He's getting looks out of the side of his eye, right, while he's pretending to cry so he can check and see how he's doing with his defense counsel. I know that look. I've seen that look a ton of times. Hey, can, I ask, can I ask the, the lawyer? Uh, well, there's two lawyers, but can I ask the trial attorney? Do, I mean, the thing that I've read and the thing that you said, and I've, I've said this from other people, is that obviously they're, they're trying to push for some kind of a mistrial. Is that your feeling? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, the defense made their motion not just for a dismissal, but with prejudice, uh, which is a pretty big deal to get a prejudicial dismissal because it means the charge can't ever come back. It can't be refiled if it's dismissed with prejudice. So that's definitely part of what they're doing. Uh, mistrial certainly buys him a lot more time. Uh, this judge is not going to be like, well, because well, there was a mistrial, and now I'm concerned about you being a flight risk, so I'm going to put in a $250,000 cash-only bond. No, this judge is going to give him another whatever, get-out-of-jail-free $5,000 or 10% kind of bond, the kind of bond that they wouldn't give, by the way, to a first-time offender on a drug charge, but, hey, they'll give it to this guy. Um, it's really, really, really ridiculous, and it's just – I watch the video because he like he holds his hand up pretending to be a gun and then he starts crying allegedly but he leaves his hand up like he, he's still doing the gun thing while he's allegedly breaking down emotionally in a way that he can't even talk anybody most of us have had an experience where we have broken down emotionally to the point that we cannot get words out of our mouth and cannot concentrate on what's going on and you know what you're not doing is making sure that you're showing the jury the pistol that you say the other guy was pointing at you with your hand the entire time unless you're being trained to do that for the purposes of trial while you're pretending to cry because if you're really breaking down that much you're not going to have that kind of wherewithal about you. I mean, it's just the whole thing is performative bullshit and people need to know that whether the guy goes free or not. And that's the crazy part is there might be some interesting legal theories about self-defense and defensive property and defense of others that could come out of a trial like this. We're never going to get to that part of it because it's all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of the context of this is that it's happening at the same time of the criminal trial for the three murderers who killed Ahmaud right, Arbery, Arbery in Arbery Georgia. Murders. Yeah, and both juries are almost all white. I think there might be mm -hmm. one person of color across both juries or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Boy, if yeah, both of those came back not guilty, I mean, one of them's going to, right? One of them's gonna. Yeah. But if both of them do, it's... Whoa. 
stacking. Yeah, it's a really know, upsetting. Oh, go ahead, Sean. No, go well, ahead. I was just going to say because both of these are vigilante style, you know, yeah. uh, killings and a lynching in Georgia yeah. by the real definition. Absolutely. And so that that's that's scary. Like in real life, that that's yeah. happening. You know, it is different than cops gunning people down. It's it's, it's in addition to cops gunning people down. You know, and it's it's not. There's nothing. <laughs> Uh, we've got a and, long and way And it to is go. completely different. It is completely different. And people have to understand that it's different. Let's let's move on. We spent a lot of time there. Um, all right. Moving on to the buy or sell. <laughs> I like that one. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, it started to go in the next one. Sorry about that. Uh the push for one religion. Uh, will this be one step too far for the national GOP? Uh, so Mike Flynn, disgraced former U.S. general, turned traitor, traitor to convicted America. Convicted felon, convicted right. Convicted felon and traitor Mike Flynn, speaking to a group uh, for AmericanFaith.com, said, if we're going to have – this is a direct quote, direct quote from Mike Flynn. If we are going to have one nation under God, which we must, we have to have one religion, one nation under God, and one religion under God. That is a direct quote from former general, disgraced general, convicted felon trader Mike Flynn. Sean, you are shaking your head. Well, (laughs) is the question like, will this be beyond the pale so that Michael Flynn is no. So the, the question out, is, what he, is about yeah. the national GOP, right? Because they're getting painted with this, whether they want to or not, they're going to have to, to deal with this particular issue. There is a sect of the Trump group, the Q group, whatever you want to call it. These people do believe what Mike Flynn is saying. Uh, you know, we've heard jokes about the American Taliban and you know, the, what is the, the, the Yalaban or whatever, uh, type words and it's funny a little bit but it's not that funny because it's real it's real these the the folks who they don't and they may not even be fully cognizant of the fact that they're saying we want a theocracy but they are saying we want a theocracy well, i think they're fully aware that that's exactly what they're saying that, that yeah i mean conservative zealots are always aware that they are conservative zealots they're they're totally okay with it because they feel morally superior um, to other human beings. Uh, it is the logical conclusion of what they're saying about government and, you know, like they've, said it, they've been the saying it forever. I mean, yeah. They've, yeah, they've been saying it forever. It's just there's more hot mics now because there's more, every time somebody says this crazy shit, it, it has a place to live instead of just like, you know, the, 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 the convention where they said it and they could only say it in front of attendees. Now the, the attendees can put it up on social media and the rest of us have to listen to it. So, right. you know, I don't want to make light of it, but I do think like this is these, these movements have been <clears throat> a part of American history and contemporary American culture for ever. Um, I, I'd argue, <clears throat> and I'm not, I mean, I'm taking this from other people that there are large swaths of America that already are essentially theocracies. I, Missouri certainly is. Um, I mean, Sean could certainly comment better than I could on other states that have sort of 
you know, I mean, John Ashcroft, right. Jay Ashcroft this legislatively, week. no, right. like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like what think, did Jay Ashcroft this this week? Our Secretary of State was talking about our new yeah. congressional map, basically, basically exactly saying the like, same thing. yeah, he said basically like, well, this one looks like sanctioned by God to me, yep. and I was like, yep, yep, get yep, that yep. shit out of your mouth. You're supposed <laughs> to be like, you're supposed um, to be basically executing elections. Like, you have no business. I mean, I know that is, I know is, I know why he's doing it. He doesn't believe it for five seconds, but like, um. That's the dog he whistle, might, right? right? He might uh, believe it. But I you're mean, you're right like that I think the the idea is that this is meaningless that it won't change anything because this is like par for the course and I think that's kind of true electorally too, you know, exactly what you're saying Rachel like, you know, educated and college educated and suburban higher um you know, more likely to be woke groups of whites are turning away from this sort of rhetoric. But I think that, especially when it comes to statewide races, Republicans are making up for those losses by running up the score in all of these rural counties. And they're just, and they're just sounding, they're going to further and further extreme with religion and with guns because they can't say, here's what they can't yeah. say out well, loud. They have to, well, so they have to lock yeah, yeah. down the entire population is the point that I was trying right. to make. So that yeah, there's yeah. some group that really wants to hear this and then there's the the rest that really just don't care or they won't be alarmed by it and so that's why that's the reason to say it you know is to like get both you know yeah anyway well i think yeah i think like with flynn like he's just you know he's 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 fallen so far from grace with so many different groups of people that he's just doing whatever he can to stay in front of like somebody anybody right um i mean what a disgrace figure he is in so many so many so many staggering ways um but with somebody like Ashcroft, you're right. Like it's very manipulative and very specific and he's doing it for very specific designs. And uh, we've talked about this on the, like as, as part of our kind of side conversations before that what I think like the majority, the Missouri GOP, the Arkansas GOP, the Iowa GOP, the West Virginia GOP, like on and on and on. What they cannot say is we won. They can't say we've we've basically what we like we basically have exiled be a, a crisis all the time. Right, exactly. So now they're just they're going to continue to sound even more outlandish and create new whether it's uh you know critical race theory or whatever that whatever boogeyman they could possibly come up with because right. Missouri is fundamentally uh, abortion is fun like sort of functionally illegal in, in Missouri. Right. Um you couldn't you basically are like born with a gun already in Missouri. <laughs> like they're like here you're a baby have a gun. Right, so, I'm a progressive podcaster, and I've got two guns. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, <laughs> what I'm saying, like, the, 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 like, you know, now you can't even enforce federal gun laws in Missouri. That's illegal. So, right. Uh, so they, I think they're just going to keep carving out these like crazy places, and so the grown-ups in the party who should turn to someone like him and like George H.W. Bush would have been like, "We're not a theocracy." Or that's not America. America is right. a place where you're supposed to be able to. That's my George H.W. It's pretty good, bad, right? It's not bad. Kind of because he's got that, like, yeah, I'm a Mena. Yeah. I'm a Mena, but he had that Texas right. thing. Um, right. yeah. He would he would have been like, no, 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 no. We're not. A th- no, no, no. There's Everybody's supposed to be able to. We, we're a pluralistic society. He would have doubled down on that for sure. Um, his Nimrod son would have been, would have said something. Like, he would have kind of sidled something like that way. That way, uh, God's people can share their love with women. Yeah, something stupid, exactly. Um, <laughs> but now, but, but now, pull the best Bush quote in those yeah, couple yeah. of moments that you have. Like, yes, yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, that one and the and the and the can't fool me one. Those two will never not be funny to me. Right? He's the decider. 
He's the decider. But it is uh, Georgia. You're right. George, George H.W. Bush certainly would have done that. Um, I mean, you've got there's so many examples, right? Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptists, which uh, I don't remember who did it on Twitter, but they commented on that when I said something about it on Twitter. They're very right. Right. The context of the Church of England, the context of the Church of England. There was a king who was Catholic like everybody else was. It's lost on people, though. They don't know know. that. They don't know that. Like, it's not it's not the the point isn't that you're free to practice any religion. That's not really the point. The point is that you're not supposed to be forced to practice one. That's the whole point. Right. So. But I think in a lot of places, probably in this country, it is when you said it's like a theocracy. I feel like a, a plural, a plurality of people in a lot of counties if the question was, if the question were, should we force everybody to go to the same church? Oh my God. <laughs> a plurality. Yeah. They already think that way. So I don't, right. so I think like, I don't know, you know, I, I think the reason that the adults in the room aren't saying anything very loudly about how ridiculous this all sounds is because they know that the country's becoming less religious. They know we'll talk about this in the last call. When we talk about the American gerontocracy and what that means for the future of the Republican party and all that, they know they have a graying base. Yeah. And so they're just going to keep kind of flirting with them in whatever way they can. And the way they can flirt with them right now is to be like, we're the only ones that still understand that you're afraid of sin. Like that's it. Right. That's they're just going to keep sending more and more outlandish because they sort of own the turf in so many parts of the country and they don't have anywhere else. You, you can't say that out loud. You just can't because yeah. they won't be able like the voters won't come any, they won't show up anymore. And the last impersonation, of course, was Billy Graham. So, all right, moving on to the next section here. Uh, Mayor Pete. Uh, Mayor Pete is out front. Mayor Pete's everywhere. Mayor Pete's got a documentary uh, being used a ton to talk about legislation. Obviously, with the bipartisan infrastructure plan, it makes sense. He's the transportation secretary, so he should be talking about that. Uh, But he's out there on paid family leave. He's out there on this. He's out there on that, right? It's like every time I see something about the Biden administration on television – it's pretty much Mayor Pete out there talking about it. Uh, so what what do we think here? Because there's already there's articles being written, right? People are starting to talk about 2024 a lot. Uh, there was just a poll that came out. I didn't see the poll was. There's only one poll, so I'm not gonna, you know, for folks who are not uh, uh, polling nerds, um, one poll is dumb, and you should not make decisions on just one poll. Um, it can be a good poll and it can be informative, but it's not everything right so a poll came out that said biden versus trump today 11 points in trump's favor uh i didn't look at anything else about the poll i just saw the headline of the poll so i, I had nothing else who to did say the poll did i have no idea see that? i literally <sighs> have no idea didn't i just saw the headline and i was like well people aren't going to read the rest of that story um <laughs> like they're just like they're just not gonna they're just gonna see 11 points and they're gonna go oh wow um, so, but I did read one article about it and, uh, I don't, I don't remember, gosh, I did not link this article either. I'm sorry, but basically it was, you know, is Biden going to run? We don't know. Let's pretend he doesn't. They can't, it's not Kamala, right? It, she just ain't it. It's not going to work. She's doing nothing right now. We'd never see her. The only time she's, we've seen she's her. She's the vice president. The vice president never does. You never see them. They're right. always like, Biden was actually an unusually like visible vice president. Honestly, right. like right. he was like, cause he had to be sort of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, it's coming from, I'm finding it everywhere now at the end of October, someone on Harris's vice president, Harris's team started leaking that they're worried about a messy 2024. Fight. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> 
So of course, because she's got no shot, by the way. Go gate. It's in uh, yeah, Politico now. It's everywhere now. If if Biden comes out, which by the way, I think that he should, if he comes out and says sometime next year, I'm I'm stepping down after that, I, I will not seek nor will I accept the Democratic Party's nomination for 2024 presidency. Right. Um, it's all sunglasses from here on out. Kids. That's right. And and yeah. that's fine. <laughs> and that's what it should probably be. And I don't have a problem with that. I, he did his job. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. And, you know, is it Mayor Pete? Is it somebody from somewhere else? It, it, to me, that's why Pete's out there. Because Kamala Harris is, she was the right person at the right time for that particular election as VP. It was a good thing. It made a lot of sense. But... Yeah. Mayor Pete is probably a better choice for the 2024 run if we're talking about somebody who's going to go one-on-one with Trump in a debate. I mean, from the beginning of the primary, the 2020 Democratic primary with all of those candidates, including Biden, where Biden eventually came out on top, it seemed to me that Biden's team was extremely well consulted. They had really great and obviously expensive right. consultants with everything that they were saying and doing and getting it done. And that kind of stayed true and became even more obvious on the longer timeline. It's not always good to be like super well consulted (laughs) because you need regular people and you need to have really that authentic voice. And so what I'm getting at is the fact that he is still super well consulted, I think leads to continued elevation of Pete Buttigieg because of the Democrats aforementioned desperate need to hang on to suburban white women who I believe Probably love them some Pete Buttigieg. Sure, he's harmless. I'm not right? as huge a fan. I mean, the, okay. I know I know plenty of so the suburban women that I knew in the early primary days split into three camps. Exactly three: Warren, Buttigieg, and Harris. Yeah, that was it. That was the split. Which, by the way, and, are the first three Democrats that I gave money to in the cycle. Yeah. Um, so you know, Warren. Everybody was like, oh, she's, well, if she didn't bet, we could, we could do a whole show on what a mess. Well, the, the whole There's already a podcast all about right. jumping on Elizabeth Warren. It's really yeah. good. No, I, it's, I, it's not hard to yeah. go. Bad, we, watch Hillary, we watch Hillary Clinton debate Terrible. Donald Trump, and we don't want to watch smart, smarter Hillary Clinton debate against Donald Trump. Oh, I think. That's a pretty easy name. I don't know. I would, I, I, I thought if I could, I should have that moment where she just completely eviscerates uh, Bloomberg. Oh, in that debate, no, 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 no. Like somewhere. That's that a was great like, moment. Oh, yeah, it's a great absolutely. moment. In fact, they just Thanks reported that best. SNL. Yeah. Uh, we, we were yeah. watching the old SNL before the new one or whatever, a couple weeks ago. And uh, they just replayed that one where like right after she dropped out and they had her on and they talked about that. And, and, and like, she's like hamming it up that she had just done that. And I was like, Oh, that's right. She kicked his ass. Yeah, we have like her to thank. Minutes. We have her to thank for his dropout. Um, I don't have any insights to the Mayor Pete thing. I'm, I'm going to trust Sean. Um, my assumption is the reason he's out there is because uh, if there's anybody, one thing I'll always give Mayor Pete is that he is very fast on the mic. He's good. Um, he's real. He impressed good. me from the from jump when I I saw him. Every time I see him in front of somebody, I, I kind of wish he'd stayed true to his principles a little bit more. Uh, that's one of the things that kind of pissed me off about his campaign is that he he just he went so hard to the center. And I was like, dude, you don't have to do that. You can be you. That, you I would think well, that was after he, he like went such a hard douche. to the left, too. Right. Because he went he was all the way. I don't over know. Here, and then yeah, I don't know. That's, that's that's like that's the thing. It's like, dude, pick a like pick a lane. You have to right now in this world. But um, yeah, but, but he's very he was just like, we won. 
Yeah. And the douche. That's what he ended up picking. And then he's like, he wrote it until he, he was the first one to get behind Biden. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Younger than everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. But he is, he but I think, I, I think one him. of the reasons that I have to assume that he's out there so much is because of the ship of the, uh, you know, the, the shipping crisis and, you know, it's kind of his, and I meant, yeah, he's got the right background. I feel like he's probably great at this job. I hope that he uses it to really push equity. Cause that was, you know, my, and a lot of people's biggest complaint with him, he didn't really seem to get it at all about what needed to happen when it comes to investment in working class communities, both communities of color and rural communities. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to see him do that. Well, I think he is a great speaker. He's I, a uh, very good I'm, speaker. Yeah. I hope I he does see something. People who are too polished. I'm more I, Bruce Springsteen than Bon Jovi. You know. Yeah, so. I mean, I I would like to see him do something in state politics. And in, in, I mean, like, if there's if there's something that I hope, I mean, you know, 2024 aside, and I I need to remind myself what the Senate terms in Indiana are looking like. Um, is somebody, are they terming? Are, are they? In, is anybody? In, there must be somebody from Indiana. I have no idea. I don't think it matters. I don't know how I mean, they're. Not doing I don't. That. But Someone that like would John be John Mellencamp. The, I I just or think sorry. that would be the place if I had to <laughs> if I had to queue up any anything for Buttigieg, it would be like go do something in Indiana, man. Like Indiana needs a consensus candidate. Indiana is 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 sort of a Missouri. Like it's you know it's got Indianapolis. It's got like these you know Barack kind Obama of solid won Indiana in two thousand and eight. Yeah. So. I mean, I think like they need, a, they could use a consensus candidate. Um, I hope that's where he goes. But I, again, I assume the reason he's out. And also because like that whole thing about him, like during the middle of like a really genuinely terrible shipping crisis, he was right. like, I'm going on leave, you guys. And like, I have no problem with you going on leave. And I, I'm sure he was like reachable by phone. I'm real sure that Secretary Buttigieg was at home on Zoom a lot with the baby. Like they have help. <laughs> You know, so um, they do have one that's up. Um, it looks like Todd. No, Todd Young was, yeah, he was a 2016, so that's a 22, right? Um, yep, yeah, so yeah, so see. that's it. So then that'll be so then that the, the won't be well. I yeah. mean, that's what I would be. I mean, I'm sure Mayor Pete, uh, I should really call him what his real title is, uh, Secretary, Secretary Buttigieg. Um, he needs a, like, I think, you know, when people were like making fun of him, like, how could he do that? I was like, he probably, you guys, he probably needed a job. I mean, right. like when yeah. you, but you don't make any money as a candidate. He's not, he's not wealthy. I mean, what are we talking about? Like he's, right. he's going to be dude. wealthy. I was like, yeah. no, he had like an okay job at McKinsey. And then he was a mayor. Like that dude's not rolling in cash. Like he needs right. a job. So he's got these kids and secretary transportation money. secretary is kind of a nothing burger of a job anyway like usually. they don't really have a whole oh, lot of power i usually so. hate policy but i will fight you right now really <laughs> really okay you can school me later i've always heard that transportation <laughs> secretary is like kind of a it's like a symbolic job it's why a lot of people get it that don't really have any dc experience call, you know yeah there's so right much cash there secretary. and it's this there beautiful of union here. of unions and industry and yeah. so a lot does happen there but anyway okay well, it'll right, be interesting to see because he definitely <laughs> has you know sean one of our favorite terms that we we bandy about with each other and a vacuum gets filled right the the whole that's the the west wing phrase from the what the seventh season or whatever yeah janine garofalo uh, best character on that show yeah and uh and and you know it, mayor pete if he does it by the way monthly send jason kander a thank you card um he should because that's like 
that's the lane, right? It was, it's that lane is that what he is occupying. And, and it was candor to take, it was there. He had it basically. And he said, no. And it's, and it's, I would really, I would really like for Pete Buttigieg to be in the U S Senate from Indiana. Yeah, That would be interesting. Um, because, uh, this, that state is kind of has the same, I mean, for Christ's sakes, Mike Pence was their governor. Right. Good God. Yeah. And I bet he is actually having that conversation way more often than he would like because for sure. It's sure. always great to have a hot candidate, even if they have no shot, which I don't, maybe he would have a shot. I don't know. I think he, he would have a shot. I think he would have a shot. Yeah. I think there's enough people that are like, yeah. I mean, cause he brings it. He's like, I'm a veteran. I'm like, he can bring it. Like, let's remember, like he toned it down during the debates because they didn't right. like that. He was outshining uh, Biden at the very end. Like right. he was, no, he, he was, checks he could bring box. it. He checks every single box. I mean, I right at the could, end, there's the hard record scratch where it's like, I'm a veteran. I'm a dad. I'm in a loving, committed marriage. Hard record scratch. And I'm gay. Like he's just, it's all of the stuff. But then it's like, is that going to be the thing that in a state like Indiana, is that going right. to do it? Like, does that, I mean, it, it depends on how well I, well, we can, we're, we're, we're making up a campaign that doesn't exist. And we're talking about a thing that we don't know might happen, but I'll always quote Sean Diller and say, if you work your butt off and you have a good ground game, and you get out there and you go meet people and you have enough money. And God knows that if Pete, Secretary Buttigieg, excuse me, were going to run as a candidate in Indiana, he would have nothing but cash. They would right. give him so much money. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope that's what he does. I really hope that's what he does. Uh, I think that would be really interesting. Well, we'll see. Obviously, uh, you know, Secretary Buttigieg, if you're listening to this or you're somebody on your team, and you decide to run for Senate. Hey, Heartland Pod, Indiana, we'd love to have you on. Uh, let's move on to the last topic for tonight, which is the it is it's a broader thing of the GOP elitism, but I want to focus on the Missouri GOP elitism because it's real, and the GOP has gotten away with for a couple of decades now, pointing their finger at the left and saying elites, 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 and their ivory towers and their professors and. Right, all this the, the the trial attorneys and the professors and and they weren't necessarily wrong. By the way, uh, there is a lot of elitism on the left. There's a ton of it. In fact, I think personally, that's one of my biggest issues with the Missouri Democratic Party right now is that I think it is a little bit of a social club, and uh, you know they're very protective of it. And I get it; it's a fragile thing, and so it's it's tough. But but anyway, the Missouri GOP elitism. Uh, the country club GOP, I think they're making that same error that the Dems were making. It's a different type of elitism, right? It's a, it's a money and cultural elitism. It's a purity elitism. It's an abandonment of workers for corporate interests. It's an abandonment of public education and basic freedom for private education and subverting the first amendment. It's, shitting on family farming in favor of corporate agricultural practices. Uh, so let's, let's weigh in here. And so, and this, this was kind of stemmed a little bit from uh, the Missouri independent had a really nice article on uh, that. Jason Hancock, their, their editor, he just wrote it this past week. Uh, this is David Gregory, uh, Republican state representative, David Gregory, who is campaigning for state auditor in Missouri and he has scored some endorsements from just some good salt to the earth, regular Missouri billionaires, you know, just good old fashioned Missouri folks 
that are endorsing him. Uh, Mr. Gregory himself is a personal injury lawyer from St. Louis County, uh, which for folks who are not familiar with what that means, uh, he's rich. He lives in a very nice house in Clayton. Uh, he drives a much nicer car than you or I probably. And even in his campaign photo, like he's dressed down in his campaign photo and like his haircut and shirt is a solid mortgage payment for most folks. So what do you guys think? I'm really curious to hear what, I mean, I, that's a, always punt to Sean on moments like this, but I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm going to ask the Missouri boy, like what, what he thinks first. And then I'll, I'll weigh in. Well, I was going to kick it to you if Adam kicked it to me because I'm I'm really nervous that my prior comments on this show tonight have been too strident, which is always my worry. <laughs> but, um, oh no, I don't so think you're. I don't think I never think you're. I always think it's, it's the fancy coffee, Sean. I always think you're Maybe. very fair. I always think you're. I always think you're very fair. I never think if anyone's strident, it would be you're the, on your high your coffee high horse. That's yeah. Right? I don't oh, think you're. Man. I don't. I don't think your well, tone is ever strident. Um, well, thanks. No, but yeah, I mean, uh, so David Gregory first sounds like a an annoying fourth grade boy who really likes it, dinosaurs. Um, like a, he's like he's like he's, but and, that is that is strident. We have nothing not, against fourth grade boys who like dinosaurs. I'm a big fan of fourth grade boys like dinosaurs. And I think that you're doing a disservice to them. That guy is like, if you take like your idea of what a douche is like a really douchey guy and you like cook it down for like three days in some kind of distillery and then like i don't know cook it down a little bit more and then make it into a person i don't know like he's such a douche the guy is such a massive douche anyway i think of like i was thinking about my notes what i wanted to say on this and really the main thing that pops into my head is republicans have paid no penalty for kissing the rings of these right just that's grotesque what, that's, billionaires that's like was, Sheldon that's, Adelson. That's what I was going to say. So yeah. continue. Yeah. No. Right. Grotesque. Yeah. And no penalty were the main things. That's all I had. And this particular one uh, is St. Louis billionaire David Stewart, uh, who is on the Forbes list listed as a net worth. Uh, this is from the, the piece from the Missouri Independent. $5.8 billion net worth. And in Missouri since 2000, so in the last decade, this man has put $4 million into play in Missouri politics. Um, That's a big, big, big deal. And for a party that talks about how they're the new working class party, I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah, I mean, the Republicans for the last uh, 30, we'll say years or so, have tried to say like, well, we have an age problem. We got to attract young voters, but they don't want to do anything that young voters like. So they just like, to their credit, have done a better job. We'll talk about this later of recruiting younger people to run for office. But those younger people say the same exact things that their older candidates do. It's not like they're going to change their policies. Right, it's, not right, like, right. it's not like Mark Rubio is going to be like, you know what? Medicare for all, bang an idea. Let's go for it. No, he's going to be like, trickle down, blah, blah, blah job creators, blah, 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 you know, socialism, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the question always goes back to like, are we going to finally watch a reckoning of any kind? As Sean just said, is there ever going to be a moment where any of the, there's very little that people like us can do except for to continue to do what we're doing right now to talk, 
to organize because we and are share the shit out of this show so that people hear the interview with yeah. Tim Hogan at the I don't care. Totally. Tell them, hey, you don't even have to listen to the second half of the show. Listen to the first part with Jim Hogan. Tell you can tell them that. That's fine. That's fine. That's Hogan's the point of they don't listen to the second part. Actually, yeah, that's actually <laughs> we're just here. Yeah, we're just here because we we're, we're like the we're like the carrot that comes with the we're the spoonful of sugar, I guess. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I, I keep saying like, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to write and, and talk about kind of this massive age problem that we have, uh, with the American voter, because that's kind of one of the biggest problems that we have is that older people, uh, are still, there's still a, there's still a lot of them and, um, they, they have a lot of money. Older yeah. voters have a lot of money. And so they identify, with that mentality, they identify, right. even if they don't have enough money to be a member of a country club, they aspirationally wanted to, or they think that they kind of, they kind of identify with those people, people that are get that get older can sometimes get kind of delusional about what kind of lifestyle they use. I mean, it's really easy right. to lie to yourself when you get older. So right, right, right. right. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I, you and know, I'd like, out, by the way, I want to say this, I want to be on the record for this. I have a membership at a country club. I'm just going to put that on the record. Okay. But you're no. not trying to pretend to be anything but what you are. Like, you never pretend to be anybody but what you are, either. Oh, no, no. That's I, the thing. I, so, I like, absolutely... You're not full of shit. That's that's the point. Right. You're not full of shit. So. And, and I have the membership for a lot of reasons, but it's important to note that when, when you say country club, there are certain things that come into your head. The country club to which I belong has mostly gravel cart paths, okay? Uh, and two of the holes... You can't really play most of the spring because they're flooded. Okay, so when I say I belong <laughs> to a country club, what I mean is there's a place in town that does have a pool that you can pay membership to use the golf facilities and the pool facilities. And so we chose to because we have a, a, a special needs child, but we wanted to get her into a pool. And going to the public pool is a real major hassle when you have that. So it was a decision that we made to do that, and it's very inexpensive. And I'm not even trying to defend it. I'm just trying to say – Belonging to a country club is not the thing that I'm worried about. I'm talking about the mentality of the people. No, it's it's disgusting. I mean, when you look at somebody like Rex Singfield and how much influence he has over St. Louis and Missouri politics and, you know, like I, he may not be that bad of a guy. He clearly really likes chess, um, <laughs> but he has a very specific idea of how government should run and he has, and, and they happen to not include public schools and they happen to not include um, any environmental regulation. And I don't believe that any one person should have that much sway in a state that doesn't have as many people in it uh, where, you know, like there's plenty of huge, huge, huge deep pocket Republican donors in California too. Um, But there, they, there is, there is more competition there because there happens to be more wealthy, you know, liberal elite Democrat people. there's but nothing populist leading, about no, the idea that money should equal speech, that people right. with more money should get more speech, and no, that insane. they should decide who. But it seems to be like because capitalism and democracy have become so the idea of unregulated, unchecked capitalism, I should say, um, crony capitalism, the the form of capitalism that we currently have in our country. That to be fair to Joe Biden, he's doing a whole, he's putting a whole lot of muscle and a whole lot of effort and trying to chip away at it. Um, that seems to be what people think of now as capitalism and democracy. And they've all kind of, it's kind of fused together into sort of this weird American gospel. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's like, it's our own, it's like our, it's like American cheese. Like it's our own weird thing. You don't find it anywhere else. It's just here and it's kind of gross, but it's totally ours. 
Um, and I think that's a really interesting question. And we, we bring it up all the time is when is there going to be consequences for someone as, first of all, Mike Parson is not a, is, is, is certainly a dude that has some financial resources himself, right? Like right. he's not, I'm not saying he's wealthy. I don't know what his net worth is, but like he was not poor either. I mean, he, I think was a fairly successful farmer, um, and has made tons of money off the back of the jobs that he's had in state government. And he makes tons of money for his friends, um, as the result of his power. And he is a moron. He is an absolute fucking moron. Eric Schmidt is a craven, amoral, uh, I don't even know what to call him anymore. Like the, 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 the combination of incompetence and corruption in our state government is so flagrantly obvious and no one will do anything about it because the voters don't really seem to be bothered by it. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I go ahead, John, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, well just another, you know, uh, part of this stupid lens is that it's the auditor's position. So right. why all this money for the auditor's race? Is it a because, lot of money, right? Is, is it because this person will now literally owe you a favor? It's now a Republican winning statewide. Of course it is or, naturally. Or addition, yeah. But is it also like, you know, having a, a Republican in the auditor's office instead of Nicole Galloway could become a thorn in the side specifically of Kansas city, St. Louis County, but that can't be it, right? Because at this point, I couldn't even tell you who's running on the Democratic side for that seat. No, no one idea. can. No, no one idea, can. right? No one can. Do a, do a political Nicole podcast. Nicole doesn't want another round. Often <laughs> no, about she's Missouri. done. She's, she's out. She's, not she's running. done. So we have no idea who the Democrats are even going to be. Maybe there's somebody's announced. I don't know. I don't know. I literally don't know. But what I do know is there's two Republicans going after it, and both of them have a half a million dollars in this race already, and they're from the same party. So if it's just about a Republican in the seat, then why there's there are two guys with you know five hundred thousand dollars running from the same thing from the same party? And that's also pointed to the voters that this happens at a time when the state of Missouri, just like all the other fifty of the states, are going to get billions of dollars in federal yep. project money yep. for green infrastructure for new roads. So it is very important that an adult with a moral compass and a sense of responsibility to the voters sits in that chair to make sure that none of that money gets misspent. And that's something that we all have to keep our eyes on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll it's see. so frustrating. Yeah. We'll see. Well, let's move on to the last call. Last call. All right. We're back for the last call. And this is, uh, you know, a little preview time. So right now you're still hearing this. Eventually it's just going to stop. It's just going to stop. And if you want to hear the rest, <laughs> on, it's on Patreon. So that, that's how that works. You go to heartlandpod.com, you click the button, you sign up, you hear the rest. Uh, Rachel posted an article also for the members over there. Uh, and it is the, the gist of it is uh, old people are fucking it all up. They're fucking it all up for everybody. And we got to figure this shit out because there's, there's all these old people. And there's a problem. That's kind of the gist. That's kind of the gist. This is my exceptionally kind of oversimplified version of it. So that I can <laughs> use the F. Well, all right. So uh, I learned this word when Trump won uh, called gerontocracy. I and I'd never. China. I learned that word. Yeah. China. China. Um, no, I learned the word gerontocracy and I never heard that before. And I saw lots of headlines that is America officially a gerontocracy. 
And then I started seeing more headlines that said America is definitely a gerontocracy. And so I started reading about what a gerontocracy was. And basically gerontocracy is like what we are. We're a country that is governed by older people. Right. Like over over 67 and a half or something. It's just like a specific, whatever. And the, the, the definition is basically like governed by elders. Uh, okay, we win. Like our Speaker of the House is 800 years old and Dianne right. Feinstein's like senile as shit. And everybody right. it's knows absolutely it. absolutely not exclusive to one party. No, not at all. God, the Democratic Party is by far the older party. Um, the oldest president ever. And you guys know that I am not a big fan of lazy media narratives. I think I've made that clear mm-hmm. on the podcast before. Um, and what happens always is that one major media outlet will pick up a thing and a thread and they'll all run with it. And before you know it, they're all using the same language and trying to beat each other to the punch and beat each other to scoops and beat each other to sources and blah, blah, blah. And they're so busy producing the content. They stop. They don't stop to think about the context of what they're saying anymore. And that happens very quickly. Right. Um, because they're all trying to churn out content all the time. Right. It's like when and, the guy made the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, you're so busy worrying about if you could. Yeah. So that's, that's always going to be, that's always going to be an issue in American media. It's just how it is. But one of the things that really, (laughs) damn it, sorry, I all mute myself. (laughs) What were you laughing at? Oh, Sean's really laughing. The Jurassic Park joke. The Jeff Goldblum, the emphasis. He just realized everything. He realized the entire quote that I left out, which is the Jeff Goldblum part. And yeah, it's such a good, funny fucking thing. Anyway, I'm sorry. I completely derailed a very actual good thing that you were saying. That's all right. You guys with your little aside. Welcome to the Um, next call. You can get the rest of that last call by subscribing with HarlemPod.com. Click the Patreon button. Come join us for the rest of that. It's a good time. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.